Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanya, that's Creole for something extra. For over 10,000 years, members of the Wampanoag tribe have lived in Aquina on the western end of Martha's Vineyard. Traditionally a fishing and agriculture community, tribe members harvested acres of wild cranberry bogs that were another important food source. Cranberry Day, the annual harvesting of the cranberries, has been a centuries-long celebration passed down by the elders as part of the Aquina Wampanoag's rich history. The treasured tradition serves as a way to commemorate Indigenous Peoples Day. Joining me now, Jeanette Vanderhoop, member of the Wampanoag tribe of Aquina, board member of the Aquina Cultural Center, and author of Cranberry Day, a Wampanoag harvest celebration. Hi, Jeanette. Hi, how's it going? It's going well. I'm so glad to have you. Also with me, Jordan Clark, Assistant Director of Harvard University's Native American Program and a member of the Wampanoag Tribe of Aquina. Welcome, Jordan. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So I should begin the conversation by saying I was visiting the Aquina Cultural Center this summer and was reminded, I think I knew vaguely a little bit about Cranberry Day, but not really the details. I saw your book, Jeanette and thought, wow, you know, this is a story that I don't think a lot of us know, and yet it's so intrinsically local, and it's uh, just a wonderful tradition. So first, let's just talk about the book that you wrote, 20 years old now. It's called Cranberry Day, and it's a children's book. What was the essence of the story? The story is that a young man um, goes into school to remind his teacher that he will be absent for the day, and um, she asks him, what he knows about this specific holiday, um, Cranberry Day, which is a local holiday, and he is a Wampanoag student. Um, And he tells her the things that he knows. And she says, well, if you get more credit, um, if you get uh, more information, I'll give you extra credit. So he goes to interview one of his elders about Cranberry Days of the past. Um, And it's a wonderful uh, entree, not only to the occasion itself, which is held every second Tuesday in October, but also what the traditions mean, what the rituals mean, and also the stories from the elders are talked about uh, in uh, your children's book, as we will be talking about here in this conversation. So I thought the way that we might start is listening to Wampanoag tribal member Christina Hook Leslie walking through a cranberry bog in Aquinnah. And here's this year's crop of cranberries, which they tell me, let's have a look here. They're gonna be beautiful. Another couple weeks, they're gonna be perfect. They're gonna be all red and it will have rained and they're wonderful. So this tradition, uh, Jordan Clark, Um, is one that's, as I said, centuries old. And it marries the cranberries that have been here forever and ever and ever and ever. Uh, Also a a crop that I think most people who live in Massachusetts are very familiar with, though they don't know this story. Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, I think that that one of the important components of of this as like a symbol for, for a Native community, specifically for our community, is that it's really a moment of passing down heritage and history um, and knowledge. And I think that for for all communities, but especially for native communities, 
the ability to pass on information is is vital to the survival of a community and a people. And so I think having books like Jeanette's, um, having moments where young tribal members can learn from elders um, and be in community is is really important. And one of the things that that in Aquina is definitely something that happens on a regular basis, but you can see in many different tribal communities. Now you're relatively young, uh, despite your position at Harvard. Some people may think you're sort of older, but but you're not. Um, do you remember being told these stories growing up? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that that one of my I I didn't grow up on Martha's Vineyard, um, but I spent most of my summers going there. And one of the big things was going up island, going to Aquina and and being with my relatives and being with my great aunts and and understanding kind of the legacy and the history of the people and the place. Um, And whether you're younger and you don't really understand why you're hearing these stories or you don't understand the importance of them as you get older, um, it definitely instills not only a pride, but a level of responsibility. And so um, I think it shapes the way you see the world um, and who you are in it. Um, And so it's definitely something that that has shaped me and kind of the work that I'm doing now. Um, And I don't know if I would have been able to articulate that when I was even younger than I am now, um, but definitely is something that that shapes kind of the work that I do. Now, to be clear, uh, the cranberry bog that um, is harvested by the Aquina Wampanoag, it's not a commercial site. It's owned. Um, the Aquina Wampanoag are one of two federally recognized tribes in Massachusetts, and that land is owned uh, by the tribe. But uh, in the old days, the ones that uh, a lot of the elders talk about, and we're going to listen to some of them in just a second, um, they sold some of the product, uh, some of the the, the crop uh to pay for supplies and other things. But then now it's uh, more of a personal community, personal use kind of gathering of the of the fruit for, for, the, for personal use. Uh, but uh, as we go back, way back, where some of the elders remember how the, how the day went and what happened, um, this is tribal elder Gladys Wittes of the Aquina Wampanoag sharing her memories of growing up with Cranberry Day. We got up around 4 o'clock in the morning to get ready to go because we went with the ox cart. My grandfather had oxen. So we rode down in the ox cart. We were started picking early. We would pick cranberries till quite late in the afternoon or until we got our containers full. We uh, would pick cranberries two days, sometimes mm-hmm. four or five days, sometimes a week. And uh, it was such so important that the kids are excused from school for this activity, this one-day activity. Um, and at the end of it, if in the old days, as Gladys said, there were several days, sometimes a week. Um, but now it's the one-day event. There's always a big feast, big potluck at the end. This is Charles Vanderhoop Jr. I'm going to ask you, Jeanette, if that if you're related uh, in a minute. But uh, recounting stories about Cranberry Day in a 2000 interview with the Martha's Vineyard Museum. It was a party for the kids, you know. Everybody would work, then everyone, you know, you'd make a big bonfire and do the cooking, and everybody brought stuff down, you know, for the party. Like, and the kids would play games and everything. That was a big holiday. So now that we understand what went on, how exciting it was, and how important it was uh, to both of you, enough for Jeanette, uh, Jeanette, for you to write a book about, and um, uh, for Jordan to be actually shaped by that in terms of. Uh, both who he was um, and the work that he's doing now. So back to you, Jeanette. Um, first of all, 
Is uh, Charles related to you? Um, somehow, but I'll have to pull out my genealogy and family tree to figure that out. Um, there, something to understand the name Vanderhoop as a Dutch name. Um, and it was a Surinamese sailor who came to Martha's Vineyard and married a Wampanoag woman uh, back in the 1700s. And they had 11 children as families were large back then. So um, if you're a Vanderhoop on Martha's Vineyard, people say, oh, you're part of the tribe. But when I went to school in California, they would say, oh, you're Dutch. Um, even <laughs> passing through Holland, the woman started speaking to me in Dutch, thinking that I would understand her, and I didn't. So, yes, somehow related. Oh, there you go. All right, so, Jeanette, you're very clear that uh, this is a children's book that outlined the, the the history and the tradition of the day. But really, the the message of the book is, is bigger than that, that... Um, you were really set about trying to use this as a weapon against stereotyping of Native Americans. Yes. Um, I wrote the book when I was in college, um, and I was actually delving into what stereotypes are pervasive in the media, not just on TV, but um, in books. And the lack of resources for librarians and educators, specifically um, from the first perspective, um, there aren't a lot of resources written by Indigenous authors, and I was actually inspired by Linda Coombs' Strawberry Thanksgiving, which is a decidedly local holiday, a Wampanoag holiday. Um, and I had, like Jordan, enjoyed Cranberry Days my whole life. I would say it's probably my favorite holiday. Um, and so I was shaped by that. And it's interesting because the elder in the bog, Christina Hook, um, was actually the elder that I interviewed 20 years ago when I was researching the project. And there is a line in the book that is her voice coming through. She said, if someone came by uh, and there wasn't enough food, everyone just got a little less. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really beautiful and indicative of our community and how we take care of each other. Um, so I've been teaching with this book for 20 years now and trying to just subtly undo some of the stereotypes that cause students to be shameful. Um, often we know what we do as a tradition, like Jordan and myself growing up, we participated in Cranberry Day, but we didn't always know the history behind it um, and, and what that meant for our tribe. So that was kind of me learning at the same time as the character and the book. Mm -hmm. So, Jordan, uh, following up on that, I mean, that's exactly the work that you're doing at Harvard, um, some part of it. And I'd also like you to underscore Indigenous Peoples Days, the mission of Indigenous Peoples Day, because um, what I have, have heard and learned is that it's more than just marking a date on a calendar. Uh, what uh, the folks want both here in uh, Massachusetts and elsewhere is a moment of pause for the rest of us who are not uh, Native American and to begin to be educated not only about some of the traditions such as Cranberry Day, but in a larger sense uh, about the status of Native Americans, period, um, contemporarily. Can you speak to that, please? Sure. I think uh, Indigenous Peoples Day, like you said, is a moment of pause, um, primarily for non-Indigenous communities to really think about their connection and understanding of Native communities, history, and culture. I would venture to say that if you're looking at any long-standing uh, piece of history on this land, uh, Native people are often at the beginning and at the center of that story, but oftentimes are cultural and national stories don't center Native voices. So if you use Harvard as an example, 
Native people, and specifically Wampanoag people, have been at the center of the development of Harvard since its founding, or very shortly after. But that's not necessarily the story that everyone thinks about when they think about a, a place like Harvard University. Um, when you think about Massachusetts, when you think about the areas around Boston and the Cape and the islands, Native people have been living on it for tens of thousands of years. Oftentimes, a lot of the founding ideology, a lot of the founding philosophy that we think of as American is often directly taken from Native communities. But again, that's not part of our national narrative. And so Indigenous Peoples Day plays a role in taking a pause and asking kind of the larger community to maybe refocus and recenter and, and reimagine kind of how they see the world and their relationship to it. Um, I think when we only think from a Western lens, we limit ourselves to knowledge, to philosophy, to understanding, to answers, to really challenging questions that we're facing um, when we could open it up to other forms of knowledge, um, primarily Native knowledge that could potentially help us answer some of the questions that our society is facing today. Um, but we can't do that unless we honor um, and respect other forms of knowledge and wisdom that aren't necessarily coming from a Western lens. But Jordan, one of the things to emphasize with you is that, you know, a big part of your job is working with students. And so it's about uh, talking about what's going on now in terms of uh, uh, how Native Americans are respected or not, um, what are some of the, the current issues, but also passing down these traditions and stories. So it's kind of, uh, it, you have a full plate of, of what goes on in your work as part of the Harvard University Native American program. And so when you think about um, a cranberry day as a part of something you'll pass down, as one of the things you'll pass down to those students, tell me, where does it fit on the spectrum of, of uh, importance of understanding a fuller picture of who Native Americans are in Massachusetts, at least? Sure. So, I mean, I think Cranberry Day is a great example of something that's so local and so connected to the communities that are that are native to this space. Um, so for for students at Harvard, it's a great opportunity because they're coming from all over the world. Um, so even if they're native, they're probably not too connected or maybe don't have the expertise of what happens in our local communities. Um, so it's definitely an opportunity for them to learn, but it's also an opportunity for them to understand and connect with local Native tribes. I think some of the work that HUNAP does uh, for Native students who are attending the university is really creating a space for them to feel like they're at home. Um, and I think we do that at the university, but there's always opportunities to also connect them to the local communities in Mashpee and Aquina and other places um, so they understand that there is that connection point. So even if we're not all from the same tribe, um, we all have a, a kinship in some way and we can be in good relationship with each other. Um, and that's a lot of the work that HUNAP does on a daily basis with our students is not only being a support for them, but being a voice and 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 helping them envision where they want to be in the world, um, but then also allow them the space to be able to, to share their voice around the university as well. Um, so all of those components I think are vastly important for an individual to see themselves in a community, to be able to share their history, their culture, the important days to them, um, but to also expose them to what's happening locally as well. Um, so when they do leave Harvard, if they do leave the Boston area, they have an understanding of 
the local indigenous communities um, and feel a kinship and a connection to them, even if they're not staying in this area. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley. And here with me are Jeanette Vanderhoop, author of Cranberry Day, a Wampanoag Harvest Celebration, and Jordan Clark, Harvard University's Assistant Director of the Native American Program. We're discussing Cranberry Day, a Wampanoag tribe celebration, as a way to mark Indigenous Peoples Day. So now both of you have spoken uh, to some degree uh, in different ways about uh, what's broadly being described as decolonization or thinking about uh, ways in which you talk about your history, your culture, um, and the relationship to, that Native Americans have often fraught, most often fraught, uh, particularly historically, that today you're unraveling or reframing or bringing people to an understanding of what really happened. Um, and that um, this seems like a small story, Cranberry Day, but it but it has all the levels of that going on, and it's part of the larger mission, again, of Indigenous Day. So, Jeanette, the whole decolonization of, uh, which is about this is how it really was, and this is how it is today. And by the way, we are still here, um, and we still have a, a very vibrant community that has uh, not always been appreciated or respected. So talk to me about that. Thank you. Um, it's interesting that we were talking about um, what does it mean for Cranberry Day that it's happening? And um, Jordan was saying for his students to be connected, but I think it's important to realize that this is a, a living tradition. Um, Native people do exist and we have continuity and we have our culture and we have our stories and these things are alive and thriving within our communities. Um, so Cranberry Day happens to fall right around Indigenous Peoples Day, which is what we are reclaiming um, from Columbus Day. And I think that we don't talk about that enough. It's not just a renaming, it's a dismantling of the celebration of, of somebody who, who caused mass genocide. And that's a painful part of our history that we don't always talk about. Um, it's easier just to think that Native people are extinct and then we don't have to acknowledge that that happened. And I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that these people are still here and we should acknowledge that this is like Thanksgiving, a day of mourning for indigenous people across Turtle Island. Um, and in my book, it actually addresses the, the theme of Thanksgiving and it says Thanksgiving in the text three times because we want you to realize that this is a celebration, it's a harvest celebration and it's something that has been happening around the world for thousands of years. So we're we're reclaiming our history by rewriting it from our perspective. And I think that's meaningful work. And Jordan, please add to that. I think the other piece when we think about decolonization is what we're really talking about is deconstructing colonial systems. And so uh, Indigenous Peoples Day being reclaimed um, from the kind of celebration of Christopher Columbus is in some ways decolonization, but ultimately, in its simplest form, decolonization means giving land back um, and really deconstructing colonial systems. And so that's a huge undertaking. And so part of, I think, what um, books like Jeanette's do and the work that we do is, is helping to frame a decolonial mindset to ask people to see things differently. Um, 
And that's kind of something that people can do individually, that communities can do collectively, um, but it definitely takes work. Um, and I think it's not just about acknowledging that Native people still exist and maybe we should respect and understand kind of who they are and what they represent, but also actively giving them a seat at the table and allowing their voice to help shape the communities that they're a part of. Um, it's really convenient to erase Native voices because it perpetuates a lot of the colonial history that our nation is founded on. And so people have to be ready to be a little uncomfortable with Native voices in, in spaces because it's going to call into question a lot of the things that are at the foundation and the bedrock of people's understanding of who they are in their communities and the country. And so it's not easy work, um, but if people really want to honor kind of what Indigenous Peoples Day represents, it can't just happen on that day. It has to happen all the time. And Native voices have to be a part of that. What would you have those of us on the outside of uh, the Wampanoag community, the Native community, um, how best for us to have a Cranberry Day spirit, if you will, an appreciation on Indigenous Peoples Day? What What would you have us do, Jeanette, to have a... Um, bring us into the fold a little bit more about the meaning of this and, and what, what you're trying to accomplish on Indigenous Peoples Day? Um, well, a shameless plug. <laughs> I will be at the Tomaquag Museum doing a program um, for, I think they're doing an actual cranberry celebration and they're going to have Native vendors and I will be reading the book and talking, doing my program, excuse me, my program of, um, of deconstructing stereotypes in a way that is subtle and, um, and hopefully far-reaching. Um, so if you want to get into the spirit of Cranberry Day, eat cranberries fresh. That would be my best advice. It's like nothing you've ever experienced. Um, and if it's too bitter, uh, eat it with some sharp cheddar cheese. Ooh, that sounds good. Jordan? I would say everyone go to that event. Um, and before that, I would say go to events hosted by programs and communities to really understand and, and, and envelop yourself in Native culture. Uh, so I would say finding events that are open to the public that allow people to, to engage and to understand. I think the most growth happens for individuals when they feel like they have personal connections. Um, and so the only way you can make personal connections is actively and consistently going to and, and speaking with and finding reciprocal relationship with Native people and Native communities. So I would say going to events is definitely a big one um, that can definitely help. Um, and again, like I said, doesn't just have to be on Indigenous Peoples Day. It should be year round. Well, I thank both of you uh, for joining me for this great conversation. And I think I'm full of cranberry spirit now. I intend to do uh, what you have suggested. So thank you for joining me. Thank, thank you. you so much. Jeanette Vanderhoop is a member of the Wampanoag Tribe of Aquina, board member of the Aquina Cultural Center, and author of Cranberry Day, a Wampanoag Harvest Celebration. Jordan Clark is the assistant director of Harvard University's Native American program and a member of the Wampanoag Tribe of Aquina. That's it for this week's edition of Under the Radar. Listen to us online at GBH News or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with our programming. Under the Radar with Callie Crossley is a production of GBH, produced by Jesse Steinmetz and engineered by Dave Goodman. Our intern is Ashley Sobroto. Our theme music is Fish and Chips by We Are Two Saxies, Grace Kelly and Leo P. 
Listen again on Wednesday and see you here at 6 p.m. next Sunday for a new episode. I'm Callie Crossley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.